You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how you doing today? Not bad, Nick. How are you? Fantastic. You know, I love a good podcast Friday. Podcast Friday. It seems like the best part of the week sometimes, doesn't it? That's right. And we get to talk about the markets today, which you know I enjoy. Oh, yeah. It's your favorite thing. (laughs) Yes, Nick. We need to remember the markets are part of the job. Uh, I don't mind it. This stuff is fun. The, the, you know, the brief overview is always good. I always find it interesting and useful. Um, You know, some of the too detailed stuff is when I start to fall asleep, Dave. Well, (laughs) you know, I find it a lot less stressful now than I did a few years ago. And I'll tell you why. And we're going to feature it prominently in this podcast. But, you know, we always consider ourselves kind of the filter for clients. And now, thanks to um, our relationship with Mario and East Bay, we kind of have our own filter mm-hmm. and uh, can rely on on them to help make sure we're thinking about the right things for our clients. And uh, so, um, you know, I think that to me gives me a lot more confidence that I'm not missing anything or that I'm not overlooking issues that need to be highlighted. Yeah, you know, that's a great point because there is, and we've talked about it before, just so much noise out there about what's yeah. happening minute oh. to minute and how much of that, you know, really impacts what the future looks like. It's, right. It's minimal. <laughs> right, right. A gr- great example going on right now. And I guess we're going to, in a way, put a timestamp on this. But, you know, I've gotten a couple of email questions today about the debt ceiling struggle. Mm-hmm. and our opinion, and and Mario echoed this the other day on our webinar for clients, is that that's really not likely to impact the markets in the long run, right? That it'll be a lot of uh, sound and fury signifying nothing. It may create some volatility on a day-to-day basis, but at the end of the day, the government isn't going to default on its debt because there is just too much at stake and there'll be you know, we, we live in a democracy and democracies govern themselves crisis to crisis, even if they have to create the crisis. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Well, and one of the things that Mario had said that I, and I appreciated was we've been down here before and we mm-hmm. let it get worse than this to the point where our debt actually got downgraded and nobody right. really seemed to care. Like nobody was like selling their treasuries or not buying treasuries because right. it was downgraded. Right. And, <laughs> and responding to, to one of the client inquiries today, you know, too, I looked at the markets today and, you know, if, if there was real concern, we would see the dollar weakening greatly. I mean, it, it is weaker than it was a month ago, but that's more related to interest rates and inflation. And we would be seeing treasury bonds sold off by like big entities like sovereign wealth funds that would really move the market. And today, you know, the 10-year treasury is up slightly, last I checked, in price, which means yields are lower. And if 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 there was real concern amongst, I don't know, the smart money, the big money, however you want to put it, we would be seeing yields on treasury bonds go up because people would see them as riskier, right? Right. Just just like if you're a, if you're a bad credit risk, you have to pay a higher interest rate. Right. Um, governments that are seen as a risk of defaulting have to pay a high interest rate. U.S. Treasury bonds um, for their length 
whatever length you pick, are considered the safest and the lowest interest rates in the world because they're considered yeah. the safest. So, you know, we're just, we, the market isn't looking at it that way either. It's just, you know, a lot of rhetoric in the news, you know, never say never, but. Makes for a good news cycle, right? It does. It does. <laughs> it gets people excited, but that's what they want. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like you're, it's, it's like when the kids at the table are misbehaving, trying to get your attention and, and, yeah. you know, we've got a bunch of people in Congress that are maybe a little attention starved. And, oh, yeah. and want their, they want the news cycle to be able to say to their constituents they were fighting for them on a certain issue that they deem right. important, even if that means blowing up the whole economy <laughs> that, you know, gives them their, you know, gives them their oh, yeah. platform to stand on. So anyway. Yep. Taking it, taking it right to the edge. So, so we have kind of jumped way ahead of ourselves or way off track, depending on your point of view, but. No, I think that's important because it is what's going on right now. Yeah. So I'm glad we brought that up. And I'm glad that you brought up our webinar because I thought that that was fantastic. It was, um, yes. We will make sure we have a recording of it that we're going to post and we'll make sure to put a link to that in the show notes. So if you are listening to Dave and I and you want another opinion, if, if you want to hear where Dave and I get more. most of our stuff from, um, definitely check out that webinar with Mario because he's fantastic. Yeah, and he'll, he 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 does a great job of taking complicated um, complicated market and economic issues and putting them in uh, as uh, our old mentor Beth would say, crayon for us. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So let's talk about uh, the fourth quarter and kind of the, give us the good and the bad, Dave. Kind of glad we have twenty 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 two in the uh, rearview mirror now, but yeah. you know. The stock market overall was was not pretty the whole year, and uh, I got to get to the right slide in my deck here before I talk numbers. But um, you know, we saw we saw stocks recover quite a bit in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. The fourth quarter would have made a good year if it had been you know yeah, a whole year's oh, worth. Absolutely. Um, so, like, but as it stands, like if we look at large company stocks you know, down about 19% for the year, but positive seven and a quarter for the, for the quarter, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and that's pretty much writ large across the stock market, you know, negative overall, but a strong fourth quarter. Interesting themes we saw during the year besides, you know, the general downturn was that um, the real leaders of the market for the last 10 years, the the large company growth stocks, the big tech companies are the ones that got hurt the worst. Mm-hmm. And we saw small companies and what we call value companies, stocks that trade at a lower price compared to their earnings, kind of your old steady eddies of the world, usually your Procter & Gamble types do better. And that's a historical thing that they've all, they, if you look at the history of the market, value has outperformed growth. But for the last uh, 10 years or so, it's been been the other way around. So we saw kind of a comeuppance there for the Netflix and Google stocks of the world, but uh, but uh, still overall negative for everybody. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, international did a little bit better than U.S. stocks last mm-hmm. year as well. And it just reminds me of that periodic table that we throw out every once in a yes. while. I'll have to put a link to that in the show notes as well, yes. where... You know, last year's winners are this year's losers, and yeah. that's not very uncommon if you go back and look through the different styles yeah. and just yeah. points towards having a diversified portfolio. 
the market as a as a pendulum, I've always thought is a good metaphor. And if you swing it too hard one way, it'll swing back the other. And when you break the market down, you've just got lots of little pendulums, right? Right. And and if one swings too far, too high, too fast, it's going to swing back the other way, probably to, to return things back to their norm at some point. And yeah, and the same thing with international stocks. And Mario uh, had a great, you know, some things that don't normally, um, that aren't normally our focus. I, don't, I had been thinking it was time for international stocks to do better than U.S. stocks for the last couple of years because... The U.S. market, again, the pendulum had swung too far one way relative to how international stocks had done. Mario pointed out, you know, the, the changes in the value of the dollar and how currency changes the values of international stocks and how that's played out relatively this fall. And I thought that was really interesting. So it definitely had a big impact. Lots of different things. So yeah. something to watch out for is the strength of the dollar, which is now, you know, kind of giving back some of those gains or, or yeah. becoming a little bit weaker. Right, right, and and that's basically as the pace of interest rates has, has increases are is expected to slow. Um, the relative strength of the dollar then slows a little bit too. Interesting too. Last year, and and we've talked about this in other contexts, but the the other side of the ledger in the markets was fixed income, and it was a, a horrible year for bonds. The worst year uh, going back to over my entire career. And uh, we've got a, a good chart in the deck here that shows it was actually the worst year going back to what, 1982? Yeah, since 1982, yeah. the worst year. Um, yeah, worst by, year the, by, by orders by a of magnitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, by a lot. And, and so again, you know, interesting things about fixed income, it, you know, when the price of bonds goes down, the yield, the interest income portion of their return is relatively higher then. So if you're buying bonds now, you're buying them at a lower price and can expect higher incomes. But also if you're holding bonds, yes, we saw a minus 12% return overall on the, on the U.S. aggregate bond index. But we also know that the income portion of that that we can expect going forward is now much higher than mm-hmm. it was before. And, and, you know, Mario pointed out that, you know, if you, if you, if you take a minus 12 one year and that means you're going to get 5% in income going forward, that's usually a pretty good trade-off in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And um, a helpful way to think about that. We've talked with individual clients about how, you know, you own funds that are now down in price, but you know, they're buying, they're buying new bonds at higher yields. So you're mm-hmm. going to see the income come up. It doesn't happen right away. It doesn't pay off overnight. Um, but that will, that will strengthen the portfolio in the long run. Yeah. And definitely, you know, insulate the portfolio against, you know, recession, market downturn, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. kind of happens with that, especially with, you know, the Fed and, and increasing interest rates. So um, interesting, though, looking at that chart, which is the just the performance of the U.S. aggregate bond index. There was five negative years since 1982, and two of them happened. One of them 2021, one of them 2022. So yeah, yeah. been been a rough go for uh, the U.S. ag the last couple yeah. of years. I, I think I said twelve minus twelve percent a minute ago, and I think the final number was actually minus thirteen for the year. 
Um, and that that's really a result of interest rate increases. As interest rates go up, existing bonds are worth less. Yeah. So when you take a look at the whole, Dave, looks like, you know, even with the strong fourth quarter, uh, returns across the board were pretty not great. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right? Bond stocks and, you know, uh, in both bonds and stocks, but also, you know, gold, cryptocurrency, a lot of stuff not having mm-hmm. a good year last year. Not a lot mm-hmm. of places to hide. No, nowhere to hide. And that's unusual, but also, you know, will correct itself over time. At the end of the day, bonds and stock bonds and stocks can't look at the same mark, the same economy over the long run, and both come to the same conclusion. Or they can come to the same conclusion, but they can't. They won't both react negatively to it, just based on their nature. With all of that, uh, not so great news, Dave. What are some of the positive signs we can look forward to in twenty twenty three? So the main concern in twenty twenty two is inflation, and inflation readings have been coming in better. And making it appear that the Fed's interest rate hikes are taking effect. We're seeing inflation on a month-to-month basis start to wring itself out of the system. Going forward, the hope then would be that the Fed can stop raising interest rates and making, you know, and, and consumers will stop seeing prices at the grocery store continue to go up, you know, at the same pace. And all of that bodes well for the economy. Yeah, speaking of that, I can't remember where. It might have been the Wall Street Journal, maybe somewhere else. But I saw that they were, and it may have, it was probably in jest, but they were uh, having trouble with people trying to uh, export and import, take uh, eggs across the border because of the, yeah. the high price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, was it you yesterday that told me about uh, the somebody had floated the idea of promoting um, coloring uh, potatoes for Easter this year? Yeah, I think that was because actually price Jeff eggs. in our office. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I knew I knew it was it was it was in a conversation in the office yesterday. I couldn't remember who brought it up, but to me that that echoes things I heard my grandparents talk about during the Depression or during World War II. That you know, along the lines of meatless Mondays and you know right. other. That's not um, making light of that at all, but uh, it kind of echoed that. Uh, that sentiment that we were at a point where we had to substitute potatoes for eggs. Yeah. You know, starting to see that start to come under control a little bit. Um, Still not gone. And some of that inflation, as Mario demonstrated the other day, we would expect to be sticky and remain high for a while around wages. So, and back to, you know, other positive signals, Um, the outlook for investing in fixed income looks brighter now and for 2023 is we're basically, you know, starting with the highest yields that we've had in years. And yeah. with inflation receding, that'd be good for bonds and we'd expect um, interest rate hikes to slow down. So again, when we just look at the markets, um, that's a that's a positive sign right there, a positive thing to look for. Um, and then positive signals on one side of the ledger uh, economic data, in particular labor market data, suggests we're not in a recession right now. Um, you know, that gets bandied about a lot on the news and in the print media and online. You know, are we in a recession? Are we heading into a recession? Well, at the moment, you know, the signs are saying no, not or we're not there. 
Yeah, that's been an uh, interesting one to watch because the labor market has been strong for a while and continues to be strong. But mm-hmm. if you're, you know, listening to the noise out there, it's all about tech layoffs and how big tech mm-hmm. is laying off all these people. But if you look at the overall labor market, it's still very strong. Right. Um, and, and it kind of worries the market a little bit because they assume with a strong labor market that the Fed is just going to continue to increase interest rates. So it's kind of a darned if you do, darned if you don't moment for what the market is seeing and reacting in the short term. Yeah, so it's definitely kind of a interesting. Goldilocks situation there with inflation and the labor markets and, uh, and the Fed. So on the other side of the ledger, causes for concern. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the middle bullet point first because it kind of goes with the the last thing we talked about on the positive side. On the negative side, there are some harbingers that maybe there is, um, you know, a recession looming on the horizon. Um, consumer confidence is super low. The yield curve, like how short-term bonds relate to long-term bonds. Um, in a nutshell, if short-term bonds are paying more than Long-term bonds, that can be a sign that the market is, is worried that the economy is going to slow down. That those, those indicators kind of point to at least a slowdown coming, if not a recession. And when we looked at predictions last week, that was one of the consensus things across the board was most of the major banks expect a, a recession sometime late 2023 or 2024, depending mm-hmm. on you know, how you want to look at the numbers. So, so that is, you know weighing on everything as a reason for concern. Other reasons for concern, globally inflation is still high, even though we're seeing it come down on the positive side. On the negative side, it's still higher than we like. And that weighs on consumer confidence and spending patterns. And, you know, there's always, there's the old, there's the old um, adage that if you're not careful, you can talk yourself into a recession, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so as long as inflation stays high, that's going to be a concern. And then another wild card, and you know, wild is 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 applies in so many contexts to China and policy. But um, they're they've basically ended their zero COVID policies, and there's big question marks about what that's going to mean for inflation and changes here. And I've already seen some talk about what that'll mean for the price of oil. You know, that the oil companies, we've seen the price of oil come down drastically since the big spikes last summer. But then, you know, nobody, it's, it, there was talk in the wall. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to put the cart before the horse because I don't think we've seen this in the marketplace yet. But there was concern expressed in a couple of articles that um, the big oil companies just hadn't taken that into account in their, their supply calculations that all of a sudden, China was going to say, hey, everything's cool again with COVID. You can do what you want. And that would create a big oil demand that we weren't ready for. Yeah. So, you know, uh, have we done one of these yet where something about China wasn't somewhere on the reasons for concern side? It's been a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we could just put a placeholder in there that said something like, you know, China or some other country that we have trouble understanding will do something weird that may impact our economy. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, and, and I guess it's another tongue in cheek way of saying something somewhere weird will happen that will impact your account, your portfolio. And we won't know what it is until it happens and we can't, you know, predict it. 
Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, those are the two sides of the ledger. Pretty well balanced, in my opinion, at this point. And but to me, you know, and and this has come up in some client conversations lately. If everybody, okay, so so if you're if you're coming, you know, pretending I'm coming from the client side, okay, Nick, everybody's sure there's a recession coming. Recessions are bad for the stock market. Shouldn't we put everything in cash right now? Right. You know, and in our answer to that is nothing is certain. First of all, you know, we're no we're while while there are things to worry about, there are also positive signs, and we're not sure that there's a recession coming. And second of all, the economy can have a recession. We're already talking about a stock market that that had a pretty lousy year last year, right? Mm-hmm. And so that a lot of that is because of these things that are going on that may lead to, that essentially lead to corporate earnings not being as valuable in the future as they are now, right? Right. So, so really the question is the market already, the market already expects a recession that was priced in with, with the losses we took already. It's now more a question of degree, right? Right. Right. And is, is where the market has fallen to enough to account for that? Mm-hmm. Or is it potentially too much, and we'll see companies actually do better than expected, and the market will, you know, recover quickly? Right. And we just we we really don't know, and to try to guess one way or the other would be just that guessing. We're either guessing that the market, which means all of investors making all of these decisions are right, or we're guessing that they're wrong. Right. But we know we don't know any more than anyone else about for sure what's going to happen. Yeah, so, that's what you know. There's that's why market timing doesn't work, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I also yeah. look at it in terms of we talk a lot about you know what kind of surprises will 2023 bring. We usually talk about surprises in terms of being bad for the market, but the flip side of that is you know what if the surprise is a good thing and mm-hmm. there is a scenario out there where the fed gets it right even though everybody thinks they're not going to yeah. and we yeah. do have a soft landing and in that yeah. scenario the market rejoices and things look pretty darn good and we have a surprise in the other direction right yeah. so there's yeah. just no telling you know where we're at and what's going to happen and it's only it's a matter of having those principles of being a long-term investor and not worrying about what's going to happen in six months from now. yeah and and i i hold on pretty dearly to my memories of early 2009 for this very reason because <laughs> it felt so bad at the time that the market mm-hmm. actually bottomed out and started to recover it didn't, it didn't feel like we were in a, the market was recovering long before the economy was. Yeah. And why? Because whatever the news coming in the future, you know, February, January and February had been so bad that there was nothing, there was nothing new that could really happen in 2009 that was going to push it, push the markets lower. Right. And, you know, the unemployment numbers stayed lousy. Everything stayed lousy. You know, defaults were happening all over the place, but the market started to come back and nobody believed it. Mm-hmm. And that's an extreme example, but, you know, 
it, to me, that shows the disconnect. It's a little different than what you're talking about. The surprises can be good. There weren't, that, that was an instance of the market being good without even any good surprises. It was just that the it was it was just that the the news was pretty much as bad as everybody expected. So it was like, oh exactly. well, you know. <laughs> and, and at that point, oh, you mean it's everybody, not worse. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I remember joke. We you know, we joked at the time that uh, flat was the new up. You know, right? And, uh, and uh, you know, it kind of kind of felt that way. That uh, yeah, like oh, is that the best you got? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Double digit unemployment. Yeah, we kind of expected that. So, so anyway, if, if we knew for sure, oh yeah, you know, we would, we would take evasive action, but these things come around to bite you. And we've talked before too, not only about 2009, but then the people straggling in in 2015 going, is it safe to invest again yet? Yeah. You know, right. it's like, yeah, that ship sailed. Like you'd, you'd have doubled your money since then if you had invested but now you know anyway so we've we've uh we've talked about that ad nauseum on here but uh let's uh let's see how 2023 unfolds and uh you know try to separate out the uh, signal from the noise when it comes to things like the debt ceiling and day-to-day chatter about inflation numbers and you know we're gonna we'll see days with big swings in the market one way or the other Well, hopefully this was helpful to our listeners. If you're out there and you have questions about the market or the economy, feel free to shoot us an email at info at srbadvisors.com. We'll put some of these resources in the show notes. Definitely. uh, Yeah, definitely take a few minutes to watch the webinar. If, uh, if you're interested in this, get it, get it from people smarter than, than Nick and me. There you go. So yeah. (laughs) Been a pleasure as always, Dave. Gather round and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.